thank you for the opportunity to be here, and thank you for this opportunity to be a part of your family emphasis. We're going to be sharing some thoughts with you today about some elements in um, child rearing that are vital. Um, I've worked with kids since I was a kid, and uh, there are, it's changing. It's constantly changing what it takes to work with you. How many school teachers I have in the audience? Any school teachers out there? Is it different teaching today? Yes. We're parenting, teaching, feeding. We're doing everything, right? It's like schools where life happens because people just send their kids. And that's not necessarily the parent's fault. This thing's been coming for some time. We're just reaping the generational consequences of what we've not been doing in some of these areas. And uh, it's a challenge in youth groups. Uh, I tell people, I, when I first started in youth ministry, I used to be able to teach the book of Revelation in a year to kids. Everything, all the rapture, tribulation, all the trumpets. I used to teach the whole thing. I can't even introduce the concept of the book of Revelation to today's generation without giving them movie concepts to understand what I'm talking about because the, the generation's so far removed from Sunday school and church and all those foundations. doesn't make sense bickering about it. It's just the world we live in. We live in what theologians and uh, observers call a post-Christian generation, meaning the Christian influence is now not the main influence, and so we have to reintroduce concepts. And part of us reintroducing basic spiritual concepts is making sure that we are about teaching the basic values to our children in order for them to be the people that God meant for them to be. This book, Boundaries for Kids, uh, Dr. Townsend and, and Dr. Henry Cloud have written a group of books on boundaries. I'd recommend this one for you. If you have children, teenagers, don't wait till your child's 18 years old to read a book. Read it now while they're six. And uh, just put some thoughts in your mind and allow these thoughts. And if this message today encourages you to think, wow, I need to think this thing through again a little bit on some of these values, I trust it will be an encouragement to you. I shared with some of the men this message is designed to be the beginning of a conversation that continues. Um, we older parents need to, and I say we older parents, and some of you look at me and say, you don't know nothing about being an older parent. Okay. Well, we parents who've been parenting, our kids are finished being teenagers or during college, and those of us whose kids are long married and gone still have a ministry to younger parents today. But the ministry to younger parents today can't be in my day what we did because this is not your day. It's a different day. And it just means we need to support each other in the parenting process and not intimidate each other in the parenting process. It doesn't help. Did you love to hear your mother say what it was like in her day when you came along? I didn't. I didn't even care. They didn't have TV back then, so what difference does it make? You know? Kids today say, you can remember when TV didn't have color? What would be the point? You didn't have cable? You watched how many channels? Seriously. So you see, it's, it's repeating itself. You never had a phone in school? You still don't know how to text? <laughs> so you see, it's the same thing that your parents, you felt about your parents, your kids feel about you. It's helping us to realize that 
having these basic values that we're going to communicate today have to be able to transcend time and culture and internet and all the media and the stuff that's hitting our kids. So guys, if you can just, just go through some stuff. We're going to look at some verses on the screen, and you're not going to do a lot of opening your Bible, but we are going to get into God's Word and think about the truths of what God's Word says. So if we could roll the first slide up there, um, and this is the verse that everyone says, this is what we do as Christians. We make disciples, right? And we win people to Christ. This is what the church is all about. But look very carefully at the Great Commission, what it says. Um, go into all the world and preach the gospel or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's all in the three dots there. And then it says, teaching them to obey or observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to... That's how it goes, right? See the part that's underlined? Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. How long would it take you to teach someone everything that Jesus has taught you? A lifetime, right? Because guess what? You're still learning it. Right? It's still going on. And when Jesus' disciples are being to teach them everything I've commanded you, if they were really trying to apply there, they're going, okay, where do we start with this process? Okay? But you've got to live in coach, right? He guides you. He says, go wait in Jerusalem for when the Holy Spirit of truth has come, he's going to make you my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, he's going to make it happen. He's going to work with you to make this process happen. But notice again carefully, look at that phrase that's underlined in that verse. That's the great commission that we all say we know so well. It says, teaching them to obey. Teaching them how to obey, how to observe. So part of education, part of discipleship, part of child rearing is helping our children to know how to learn the truth that God's given us. Not just dumping it on them. Not just giving them Jonah, David, Moses, the parting of the Red Sea, and the 12 disciples, and what Judas did. I got all the information in my head. How do I obey that? How do I bring that into my life? How does that become my value system? So what we do is we teach a bunch of Bible, pray like crazy, and hope it works. And I think God wants us to be a little more intentional about the process. So let's go to the next verse that talks about, this is the raise your kid verse, right? Train up a child the way he is go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, right? Anybody ever hated this verse? You can raise your hand. Mine's up. You said, what do you mean you hated it? You bad preacher. What are you doing? Pastor, who you got up there? I hated the verse because it was like, a, I've seen so many parents who did that, and it didn't work. Anybody got a testimony for that? In fact, in, in Bermuda, the people who were most dedicated to the Lord, it seemed like their kids were the devils. Hey, you see people laughing. It happened down here a little bit too, huh? Same Gulf Stream. Don't worry about it. That's what makes it happen. No, it's because it's not a promise that your kids are never going to go bad. That's not this verse. That's not what it is. It's kind of like how we use the Philippian jailer thing about, you know, he's saved and his whole house. So if you believe that, then your whole house is going to get saved. You can't use, you can't make that verse be a promise. That's, that's something that we hope happens by the influence. But you can't make this verse say, my, my kid's going to, he may go a ways, but he's going to come back. Okay? That's what we hope. And that's what I always understood this verse to be. And I felt bad for all the people whose kids hadn't come back. By the way, I was a kid that went way away, okay? Still showed up to church because my mama would have 
clean my clock if I didn't, but my heart was not there, and I was saved. Twelve years old, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Seven, no, 18 years old, I recommitted my life to Christ and gave him control. Okay, so 12, from 12 to 17, I wanted everything the world had to offer and turned my back on everything that Jesus had to offer. But Jesus went with me on the whole journey. Okay, but listen to what this verse is saying. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. The guys who wrote this book kind of put a, a paraphrase on this, and I want you to look at the paraphrase. Patterns children establish early in life that will become the way they live their life later. That's really what it's talking about, because we can twist this verse and make it have promises and stuff, but really what the verse is saying is build the patterns into your children's life that become the values on how they live life for the rest of their life. And you say, so we think, you know, bring them to church faithfully and they'll always come to church. That's not a value. That's what we do because of a value. Okay, so when we get back, what we're going to talk about today are what are the values that kids have to have in their makeup that make them the people that continue in those values as they go on in their walk with God and also in society. And it's also the struggles that we have when kids don't have these values. Okay, let's go through a couple of slides. We're going to first of all talk about a couple of things we got to dispel. Okay. We're going to do two lies that exist in our culture that we have to dispel first because they've become what our culture believes, and believe it or not, it's become what our Christian culture believes, even though they're not biblical and they're not true, so we got to talk about them first. Here's the first lie. Children are not born good. You agree with me? Did you hear that emphatic answer from the congregation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Children are not born good, and they are not born... They are not born with a constructive nature. Children are born with a destructive nature. Did I just say something bad about your child? Or did I say something true about your child? See, the culture doesn't accept that anymore. The culture refuses that. The culture says that's politically incorrect. How dare you say that? Every child organization operates on this, that every child is basically good, and society and the environment make the child bad. What does your Bible say? Well, let's see. Let's go through a couple verses right now. You know this verse. I was born in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me, Right? Psalm 51, that's what David said when he was confronted about his sin with Bathsheba. As an old man, he went back to his childhood and said, I was born sinful. Okay? Now, some people look at that verse and say, no, that's my mama sinful. It's just, I was conceived in sin. No, that's not what it's saying. It's David talking about himself. But in case you're not convinced, let's go to another verse. Let's go to the next one. Psalm 58, verse 3 says, the wicked are estranged from the womb. Those who speak lies go astray from... Oops. And that's true, though, isn't it? Anybody ever take their child to lie classes? No. Anybody ever take their child to selfishness training? No, you don't have to do that. That comes with the package deal. And it happens really early, right? How many of you know that babies know how to manipulate? And you're coming running like the fire, you know, you got to put the fire hydrant on something. And they're like, well, you just want attention? Well, I can't tell you that I want attention. All I know how to do is cry. But they know how to manipulate. How did they do that? 
We got pictures of coming up in the slides of just kids. It's my toy. Who taught them my toy lessons? It's in us. We're born with a sinful nature. You know that, right? Now, the reason I'm taking the time to talk about this is not because you don't know the Bible. It's because this has crept into our culture, and we've all accepted it. It's crept into our church programs, and we try to, like, we just are shocked that kids are rude. Why are you shocked? They're supposed to be. Oh, we got to teach them how to be right. Now, the reason we have a struggle with that is because the culture you came up in, your neighborhood would discipline you. There was a lot of structure that brought you into Sunday school and church and school class with a degree of the fear of the Lord already in place. Like I told the early service, if somebody would have told me, uh, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to call your mother. I'd rather they call the police. Because the police just, you know, like, here's a ticket, oh boy, you need to straighten up. And it's all over, you know, as long as nobody's watching, it's all done. But if my mama found out what I was doing, man, that's going to last a month, man, at least. I'm going to hear it again and again, right? I was more afraid of my mom than I was of the cops. But that doesn't exist in our culture anymore, you understand? So there's things that we get frustrated with, like, what is wrong with children today? Nothing's wrong. There's just been something missing in their development and their values. And that's what we have to understand what's going on so that in our families we're teaching the values as we should, okay? Let's keep popping through some verses here so that you understand this. I put a bunch of them up here because this is a big one. And it's just all over the place, and I want God's word to speak to it. You are called a rebel from the womb. That's what Jesus said about the nation of Israel in Isaiah 48, verse 8. Next verse. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Is peanut butter sinful? Of course not. Okay, watch it now. Are children sinful and mischievous, even if they don't go to mischievous class? They are, okay? And if we don't start there, then we're not going to teach and love our children right. you got to understand where your children are coming from. I have a dog, and sometimes I think my dog has a sin nature. I'm telling you. I'd, just get in your mind that when you're dealing with your children, they are going to gravitate to sin naturally. Don't be shocked. And don't fall into the lie. My grandchildren? Oh, my grandchildren are little angels. That's because you give them everything when you're with them. But the demon side comes out when you send them back home. Yay, yay, parents. After you spoil them like crazy, and then we got to pick up the pieces. All right, I'm stopping meddling now. Our children aren't angels. We have to teach them to have the values in their life. It doesn't come by accident. Okay, let's go through some slides quick because I'm going to run out of time because I always do because I get carried away telling stories. Now, if you're not sure about how this affects us, it affects the way we discipline, and you're going to see it. There are some parents who really believe that if I just leave my child, they'll get it. You know, it's kind of like the, I don't see you misbehaving, and it's, you're going you're gonna to catch yourself in a minute. And you see people trying to discipline their kids like that. It doesn't work. When you leave a child to himself, what happens? He gets better or worse? We all know that, but then we allow people to parent, or we allow parenting situations where that's not true. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself will disgrace 
in Walmart or in City Market. Going to embarrass you if you don't put something in there. And you say, well, I'll just leave them. They'll get it. No, they won't. They'll just embarrass you worse. Because values that help kids to be the kids we want them to be have to be taught and created in their lives. And let's go to a couple more slides and you'll see that. That's some of the principles that come from this book called Boundaries for Kids. Children are little people out of control of themselves and attempting to control everyone around them. You like that definition of a child? They don't know how to control themselves, but they'll control everything around them. Have any of your children learned how to play one parent against the other? Who taught them that? Children are not born with boundaries in their life. They have to internalize those boundaries. Those boundaries become their own as from external relationships, parents, teachers, people who love them, and a structure of teaching consequences gives them those personal values on the inside. And this is something that I say to myself and I say to all of us in youth ministry and to families, you are preparing your child to no longer need you. I'm pausing because there are some mothers who just don't agree with that. My girl, my baby will always need me. And there is a sense in which she will because they'll help need help with the mortgage and everything like that. Yeah, it goes on for a long time. I understand. But the idea of teaching a child their value system is so that they can make those decisions without you having to be there. And we have to remind ourselves that or else we lose our way in the whole disciplining process. And the culture is so making you deprogram the discipline environment you have to have in raising kids that we just think if we just love them real hard, they'll come out good. They won't. They'll come out wicked. Because you've got to create an environment where kids learn some basic values. And if you don't create that environment, your kids are going to turn out wicked. They will. Here we go. Second lie. If we teach children effectively, kids will learn how to apply the Bible themselves. Just teach well. Bring them to a good church. Find a good church like this. Send them to that program, and, and, and they'll work on my kids for me, and I'm going to have good kids. If you teach kids effectively, they'll learn to apply God's truth on their own. We have to help, and this is more one for us that work with kids, but also for parents. We have to teach people how to apply God's Word. Remember the Great Commission? Teach them how to obey what I've told you. We have to help people get that. I said this in the earlier service, and I think it's true. The pastor didn't kick me out for saying it. But even for us as adults, if we say we want to reach this community for Jesus Christ, everybody needs to get out there and reach somebody, and we make everybody feel bad for doing it, nobody does anything until this church comes up with a plan of how to encourage us to get it done. Am I right? Yeah, we don't like being preached at and told what we're feeling, but if you just create the vehicle, create the means for me to do it. I know I should be witnessing to my friends at work. I know I should be talking to my friends at school, but stop guilting me about it and, and, and give me something to do that makes it easier to do it, and I'll get it done. Right? Well, kids are the same way. Help me with the obedience process, and I get it. Okay, so we're going to go through some verses real quick, and I'm going to go through these sort of quickly just to save time because you know these principles, but we have to teach people how to obey. Colossians 1.28, this is Paul saying, I strain with all my effort, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present every man mature in Christ. Paul strained to warn. When was the last time? When you think of warning somebody, do you think of 
people in a church? Yeah, you should, because that's part of it. It's part of our character development. Don't do this. The consequence is this. So I'm going to warn you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to instruct you. All about what Paul was doing for churches was character development. So, and, and he was amazing. I mean, he would spend a month, maybe a, in some of the places, the longest three years anywhere, and then he'd just take off, and they expected him to get it. And that's amazing. But it's, I'm teaching you the basic principles now. Here's the word of God. Now, go do it. Make some leaders. Let's, let's make this thing happen. And he trusted the Holy Spirit to do it. But he was teaching them how to put things into practice. Next verse. Yeah, this is Timothy, Paul talking to Timothy. He says, take heed to yourself and to the teaching. Continue in practicing them. For as you do this continually, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. It's a cultivating process. People need to see a mature example of what they're doing and then someone who's encouraged them and they follow their example. Um, I remind myself all the time, people change when somebody, a person, a person models that change in front of them. That's why people change. Whenever Jesus wanted to save Israel from disaster or from sin or from their own consequences, he always raised up a book. Is that right? No, he raised up a person who knew the book and brought them back to the book, but always a person. You are integral in the development of your children. Grandparents, you have a huge, huge influence in your child's value system being established. Please, let's take that opportunity. All right, so let's talk about what these values are. These are values that are um, the values that your parents taught you without knowing that they were teaching you, okay? Values that are essential for character and values that your parents just kind of instilled in you. I think... Um, Brother Robert said uh, this morning, um, or Brother Aubrey said this morning, he said, my father told me, if I have to speak more than once, that's it. That's pretty sharp, huh? You say that to your child now, right? No, we use like a bigger number, like four times or three times. Or if I have to speak, in our clubs, we say two times. If we have to, you have to correct you twice, then there's a consequence. But what did it mean? It meant... After I speak once, there's a consequence. That's what he meant, right? And we go, oh, that's the old school way. No, that's the only way. There's got to be a consequence for not listening. There's got to be a consequence because one of the things we have to teach our kids is this very first value, teaching the importance of sowing and reaping consequences. you got to teach that to kids. You say, how do you do it? Well, you grow a garden. No, you don't grow a garden. You... Simply help your children to understand that every decision they make has a consequence. If you listen to what I say, if you do what mommy tells you to do, you get this done, then this will be the consequence. If you don't do what I say, this is going to be the consequence. It doesn't, it doesn't need a lot of words. It just needs consistent application in your home. Consistent application. You say, kids don't like a lot of rules. That comes from the world. Every time I see kids, they welcome more boundaries in their life. I told the story this morning about three girls that I had to kick off the island of teen camp this summer for just swearing, disrespecting their counselor. And when I told them, that's it, you've pushed too far, uh, your behavior is, I've spoken to you already once, had each of you, and I interviewed them together, and then I interviewed them individually and said, this is where you've crossed the line, and I can't, I can't have that behavior. The other girls in their cabin were totally frustrated with their behavior, and I said, you're going home today. 
And they tried to plead their case, and I gave them the reason why it's not working. And uh, they said, okay, thank you. Now, I'll talk to what your consequences will be individually because each of them have different degrees of accountability. The one that was the worst, when I finished talking to her, she said, are you done? I said, yes, I'm done. She says, good, because I want to go swimming. And she had the best day of her entire week camping knowing that at 5 o'clock she was going home. You know why? Because she is the kind of girl that you've got to step into her life with a strong hand or she doesn't even have fun. Guess what she said? I'll be back next summer. See, they need the boundaries. They need to know that somebody loves me enough. And she's a foster kid, by the way, but she understands a strong hand in her life. She needs. I never had to lay my hand on them, but I had to draw a line and say, you've crossed the line and there's consequences. And they loved us for it. So don't let the world tell you that if there's less rules, kids have more fun. Would you like to play a sport with no rules? You can't play a sport with no rules. It's no fun. Rules make things fun because I know the joy of doing it, and I can beat you by abiding by the rules. All right? So teaching kids the joy of sowing and reaping, consequences for actions based on uh, Galatians chapter 6. Let's go to a couple more slides for this one. Every choice has a consequence. You have to help your children see that because we have a total culture of young men and young women who don't understand that the consequences that are happening in their life, they created them. They think it's somebody like beating up on them or life's just sucks it's bad it's it's i get bad breaks they can't see it they really can't see that what they're choosing to do is making the consequence in their life because nobody taught them this principle if you do this you get this if you do this you get this you say well that's so like basic not if you haven't been taught it as a child and you grow up to adulthood not having that lesson down for yourself this is the verse i'm not going to take the time to you remember joshua said Joshua 24, verse 15, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the God of the Israel, God of Israel, the true God, or the God of the Ammonites and all the people who you're a part of. He helped the nation of Israel say, you got to make a choice on where you're going to come down. And I want to say that about those of you who've been in church forever, but you know you haven't started a personal relationship with Jesus. You can only sort of wing it along for a while. By the way, most of us already know because we see the lack of fruit. You can't fake reality, okay? But I'm telling you, you're not giving in to the Lord's control in your life. But once you do, what are you going to say? I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. You're going to say that. But there's a consequence for all the decisions and the choices we make. And what are we teaching our children? We're teaching our children responsibility. If I don't teach my children that, then they don't take responsibility for their own life. They stay children forever, making decisions, expecting you to come in and clean up the mess. They're 18, they're 19 years old, and they're still not taking responsibility because we didn't establish that. I'm not saying every problem with every 18, 19-year-old is a result of this, but I am saying that we need to teach these things carefully in our home. That means there needs to be a consequence. Home equals an environment of choices and consequences. Your home has to be a place where there are consequences. And I know this, parents. My son is 20, my daughter's 22, and I'm still consequences and choices. I'm still doing it. 
It's about a master's degree and what she chooses to do with her social life right now. And it's my son back home and what he chooses to do with what he does on the Internet. But it's still a life of choices and consequences. Does it take longer to help your kids to set it up to say, if you do this again, there's going to be this consequence? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's going to involve some more of our time. Who's going to do it? You're going to do it? You're never here. You... That's my wife's favorite phrase, you're never here, because I'm always somewhere like here. But she says, you're never here, so you can't do it. And I said, well, okay, honey, stop beating me up for that. But uh, let's figure out how we're going to set up the consequence for our son for this situation. Well, then nobody else can hold him accountable for that. You're going to have to hold him accountable, so you're going to have to text him or, or do something. Every, every day you're away, you got to do this. It takes my time to help consequences be in place for my 20-year-old. You say, man. You did a bad job on your twin. No, these are things that he wants to work on in his life, but he just needs accountability. He needs a friend to be accountable. And you know what? Some of them, I'm the best person to do it for him because I love all over him while I'm doing it. And he wants his dad to do it. He really wants his dad to be the person to do that for him. These values are only grasped as you create an environment where they're repeated over and over and over again. Correct? You can't do this once and it happens. Honesty and truth is always better than lying. Is that true? How do you learn that? Help me. You can talk to me. How do you learn that honesty and truth is always better than lying? What do you have to do to learn that? You have to lie and have a consequence. That's the only way. Now, I'm not saying we're going to make our kids lie. Remember, you don't have to make them lie. They already are liars. They're good at it. Okay, kids don't have to strain, oh, I'm going to try to lie. It just comes. But there needs to be a consequence when they lie. So they said, now, we always tell the truth. And do you see now that how lying, did, do you need to have this conversation when your children get caught in a lie. Did you see what happened as a result of the lie? Did it get better or worse? It got worse because I lost out and plus I got a punishment. So was it better to lie or to tell the truth? It was better to tell the truth. Repeat it over and over and over and over again in your home. It's not enough to say, I told you stop lying and just don't lie. You make me mad. It's not about you. We're not building a love relationship. You, what you do is you, you now make that the relationship between you and the child is affected by their behavior. No, it's their relationship with the values of life that needs to be established. And you need to say, the reason I'm doing this, the reason I'm... You know, don't do the, I'm, this hurts me more than it hurts. No. What I'm helping you do is understand that in life, son, this is how it works. If you show up for work like you show up for getting ready to do something around the house, you ain't going to have a job. And so I'm trying to teach you that there's consequences when you make choices. All right, Dad, but I'm not old enough to get a job. Yes, but if you don't get it now, you'll never get a job. Okay. All right, I understand what you're saying. It's helping them to deal with who they are. If you don't teach honesty and truthfulness is better than lying in your home and being, then they never get to be at home with who they are. That is so, we all want our kids to be proud of who they are, comfortable in their own skin, right? We want them. But there's only one way they get that value is when they recognize that there's always the value of being truthful with who I am. There's a couple more things that are just amazing when you don't teach this. The only way to appreciate or feel the joy of forgiveness is if you tell the truth. Think about it for a minute. You cannot feel the joy of forgiveness if you don't tell the truth. 
So if you constantly make excuses, you constantly blame your sister, you constantly blame something else, you have never known the joy of admitting your fault and having Jesus say, it's all right, I've washed it clean. Isn't that a crime? But see, we're trying to work with kids. We haven't taught them this principle, so they really don't feel that because they haven't admitted. They've just learned how to lie their way or excuse their way out of everything because we have to create the environment where when you get caught lying, now, did you do it? No, I didn't, Daddy. I did not. Now, you know they're lying, okay? But you need to help them demonstrate that lying, okay? So if we find out that you're lying, son, there's going to be double the consequences. You understand? Oh, yes, I understand that. I understand that. How'd they get this good? You, you want to walk out of the room and go, who's this evil child belong to? You. You got the same nature they do. So there's not a bold-faced lying to you. So, okay, we're clear, right? And then you just wait and trust God and do some more background, find out, yep, that, yeah, I saw your son. He was speeding through on his motorcycle at about 60 miles an hour. He just almost caused some, okay, great. So, son, God's on my side, I'm going to tell you, because this lady walked up to me today and she said she saw you on your motorcycle doing about 60 or 70 miles an hour going past that intersection. People need to leave their, always buttoning somebody else's business. Now who does this evil child belong to? Because I don't even want him now. I said, son, you lied to me. And uh, what did we say? Yeah, double consequences. All right. And then you think through what are the double consequences. And, you know, work with your, as a couple, work with, work with people who can help you. But there needs to be a consequence. Don't brush that off. Don't give it. If this ever happens again. No, no, there's got to be a consequence. So you're not being able to do this. Your bike is Grounded for the whatever, you know, six years. Well, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you're, you're not going to be using your motorcycle. Um, you know, and, and here's another thing that helps you to have balance in building the consequences. This isn't going to be the last time you're going to deal with this. Okay, so don't burn the barn the first time you have to deal with something. There's going to be another incident to come up soon. So save a little bit. Don't, don't you know, sell the bike and do every, like, go too extreme because it's going to keep happening because your child's nature is... I'm going to learn to be somebody who tells the truth because I'm an avid liar naturally because I was born in sin. This, this is a great verse. Write this down. You've got you to look at this verse. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you, and the blanks say, the fear of the Lord. To see many good days, here's what you have to do. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. You can quote this verse to your child a zillion times, but if you don't create consequences in your home, they'll never learn it. So the Bible can't make them do the consequences. So you say, well, if you do this again, you're going to go in there and you're going to read Psalm whatever 50 times. That's not how to do it. There's got to be a loss of privilege that helps them get the concept. Am I making sense? Yes. Then I get the value. Okay? It's not cruelty. It's love. It's love. Those three girls on the island wanted me to love them and say, enough. And they went, great. Now, they didn't say, I'm so glad I'm getting kicked off the island. But one of them wrote me a letter and said, I know I went too far. Thank you for having the courage to tell me. Looking forward to see you next summer. Last value that we're going to talk about. There are more values in the book, but this is the last one. Life is not all about you. Do kids need to learn that? Woo Especially today, right? Because most of them, their necks are bent in this position. 
You hear what I'm saying? Yes, Mom. Okay, so I'm not trying to make you feel guilty because your kids are really good at computer games. I can't even keep up with my children in anything that they do with technology. I'm horrible. I can't play FIFA with them because I can't even kick the ball in the right direction. Okay? And that's shame on me because I probably should have played a little bit more with my son, and he tells me so. He does. I'm not saying don't have this, don't, you know, go to the, remember, don't go to the extreme. It's the value I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to teach my child that their whole world isn't about what you're doing. You are a part of God's world, and there are people and others in this world that you have to learn to respect, love, and understand. Look at the verse. Know that the Lord, he is God, is not he who's made us and not we ourselves. We are his sheep, the, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This is God's world, you got to tell your kids. You say, my kids know that. Say it again. This is God's world. And God has people in this world that you're going to learn to respect. And we do things God's way. Because God has a way of making things come. Now, did you hear when you grew up, I haven't heard many people say it today. This verse, I mean, I didn't even know where it was in the Bible, but I knew it. Be sure your sins. Man, I had the fear of that while I was partying hardy in sin. That verse still playing. Be sure your sins. Sounds just like my mom's voice. We'll find you out. This is what my wife told my kids. My wife said, I'm not good, but God's good, and he helps me catch you. My kids knew that, and, and, and she proved it to them like about a dozen times. It's like, you know what? I wasn't even thinking about it, but somebody called me today, and guess what? They saw you. God's going to get you because he loves you, and I'm not sharp, but God helps me, and I'm going to catch you every time. What is that teaching you? That you're not in your own little world. You're in God's world, and God wants you to be a functioning person in his world. Look not on your own interests, but on the interests of others. We know that verse from Philippians. See the picture? You see it? Do you know that parents look at that and say that's cute? Missed the point, right? Because what's he going to keep grabbing? Look at these value systems here. Today's culture says, oh, they're sharing. That's a cute thing. That's not a cute thing. That's something we want to build into our kids' lives. You will share those toys with your cousin. When they come over, they break my toys. Okay, well, let's work it out so that we have toys that we don't mind if they get broken. And we'll put your other toys away that you really don't want to get broken. This is when they got littler cousins and they got nicer toys. Okay? But you help them because we're going to share without question. Because it's not all about us at this family reunion. It's about you making sure your cousins have a good time here. And then you have your son or your daughter come back and say, well, that was a great family reunion. All I did was play Uno with my cousins all afternoon. And I said, thank you. That was very selfless of you. And, and... Because you did that, guess what I got planned? You see? Rewarding good behavior and the right value system is how you establish that. God says it's not just cute, it's a critical value. Everyone has value to God and us. God says it's a critical value because you can't learn in life without other people. Is that true? You know, there are some millennial kids today who think they know everything. I know every, every young person thinks they know, but I'm telling you, it's getting worse that they actually think. And you'll tell them the right answer. They'll go, oh, I didn't see it that way. What do you mean you don't see it that way? There is no other way. That's the way it is. Oh, no, it's not. It's not how it is for me. And this kid's not going to get a job anywhere. He's going to tell his boss how to run the company. 
Poor kid. You know why? Because we didn't teach us a value that you're in God's world and that God has people that are going to be a blessing to you and help you so that when somebody helps them with a scholarship or something, they don't even know how to say thank you properly. They just don't know how because we didn't build that value in them. Even when people do good things, when they're just like, oh, thanks, I guess. No, you're going to write a thank you card. you got to help your kids write thank you cards so they learn to appreciate that stuff don't come easy. Somebody made a sacrifice for that. Man, that takes so long. Your home is a laboratory for value teaching. Learning to depend on God. If we don't teach this value that you're in God's world and it's not all about you, you will never learn the joy of discovering how, what your gifts are and how you are a blessing to other people. Do you know the only way that you can discover your spiritual gifts is you have to love other people and figure out how you are a blessing to them? If you're selfish, you never discover your spiritual gift. Church will always be where you come and get. You don't know how to give because you don't care about the people sitting next to you. And God's going to have to lay you up in a hospital or break your leg or do something to say, my goodness, man, you need people in your life. And we don't want to learn it that way. We want to teach it as a value to our kids. It's not about you, son. It's not about you, sweetie. It's not even about daddy and mommy. We live in God's world, and God puts awesome people in our life that help our family get to where we need to be, and we need to be thankful. So I want you to go right over to, and I know she's going to kiss you, and you don't like when she kisses you, but I want you to go over there, and I want you to tell her thank you for how she helped us as a family and for praying for us. Good afternoon. I just want to say thank you for helping our family. Oh, man. And we're driving home talking about the big, smushy kiss. That ah, I hated that. No, but we love that. That's, that sister has helped us out so much. You know, the awesome thing about being at church, I used to tell people that you got to disciple. Everybody you disciple, you got to come and bring them into church. You know why? Because a lot of these values happen when people have eight and nine grandmothers. Keep your kids in church. Let people hug on your kids. Let people talk to your kids. And grandparents, you get to be grandparents not just for your own kids to establish these values. Now, you don't say, now, I think you need some values in your life, so I'm taking over from your mom and dad, and I'm going to teach. No, that's not how you do it. But you recognize that even in a small way, you can teach kids consequences. You can teach kids consequences in a simple stand in a line. You know, like they're misbehaving to their mom. You say, you know what? Your mom really loves you, but if you give her a hard time like that, Obviously, you're not going to win in the long run, you know. It's just a consequence comment. It helps the parent to build on that without making the parent feel like they don't know what they're doing. This verse is a great verse. Pastor used it to close the service. It's great. has two pieces to it. Unless the Lord builds the house, I'm going to read it wrong, the builders don't even have to build. Does it say that? Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. God still expects you to build. You can't say, God's going to build a house. I'm sitting back. God's going to parent my kids. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to pray and trust Jesus and let the uh, Awana Club and Teen Club and Olympian Club, let, let all them clubs do it for me. No. Unless the Lord's working through you, there's only one parent for that child. There's only two parents, one mother and one father. And you are key influences as modeling in those kids' lives. All right, let's wrap it up, and then we'll talk about one last thing. Life's bigger than you, and that's how you learn to appreciate God and others. Your home needs to be a laboratory for building these values into your children's lives. Don't tire of doing them. I know it is tiring. I know it's like, 
who's going to be the one to see the discipline through. If I discipline my child and they have to be grounded, I'm literally grounding myself. Yes, you are. But that's the sacrifice you make because you've got to stay there and make sure they stay in the room, right, or whatever they do. or what. You have to monitor it. That's love. They're going to hate you for doing that until they're 16. Then they're going to say, thanks, Mom, because none of the other girls have this kind of relationship with their mom or their dad. You know this. I don't have to tell you. When kids come to your house to play, God's sending them. Okay? If kids come to your house to play, say, but kids come to my house to play because my mom will never go to our house. That's true, too. But when they come to your house, you get a chance to be a model of these values in your home and in so many precious lives who don't see these values. We could say more, but if these values aren't in place, we can't teach in our clubs. We can't establish good Christian behavior without these values in kids' lives. Let's close in prayer. While we're closing in prayer, I want to just say, this is not a sermon to make you feel bad. This is not a sermon for us as grandparents to say, my goodness, my children need to hear this. No. This is a personal application sermon. It starts like this. Thank you, Lord, for every one of these values that was imparted to me and for the people that imparted it. Thank him for those people right now. Just say, God, thank you for my parents. Thank you for my grandparents. Thank you for my my aunt, she was the one I feared. Thank you, God, for the things that you did to build these values into my life. And God, these are the values that we pass on houses and money and college educations to our children, but we forget to pass these values on. So, Lord, would you please help me as a grandparent to be creative in supporting my children as they raise their kids so that I become an asset to these values being in my children's life and not a discouragement. Ask him to help you to do that. I don't know how to be a grandparent. I've never been one. And even if I was a grandparent, I wouldn't know how to be one. But I know who'd help me to be one. And now to parents. Parents, stop being frustrated that you don't know what you're doing. Nobody did. But guess what you have? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, helping you to establish these values by the routines that you establish in your home and the consequences and the love. Everybody's so afraid that we're not going to be loving, but that's the world system. There's nobody that doesn't love their children unless they're living in sin. But we have to also love them enough to put these boundaries in their lives and help them to know that we're teaching the values that are going to last. Oh, God, give us the strength. Just ask him, give us the strength to be able to instill these values in our children and be willing to make the personal sacrifices that it takes to build that routine in our home. Children, if you're listening, I want you to say thank you for something too. I want you to say thank you, God, for all the ways that my mommy and daddy show me that they love me, even the ones that I don't like. Thank you for my mommy and my daddy. Father, we began this message by Sister Elliot singing a song, Come On Home. Thank you that we come home to a father who loves us more than anyone ever has or will. Thank you that there are consequences, there's potential, there's so much that you bring out of our life as we allow the word of God to build these values into us. Oh God, help us not to be selfish even in the application of our faith but helped us to be practical to pass these on to the children, the grandchildren, and to those children who you bless us with that aren't even ours. 
Help us to be that influence for Jesus' sake. Amen.